No doubt you are making holiday plans, get-togethers with a family, and the holiday season offers a really good opportunity for family discussions. Some of the topics might be difficult to talk about, but as our guest today will tell us, the conversations are very important. Bob Marstock is a retired financial planner and author of Can We Talk? A Financial Guide for Baby Boomers Assisting Their Elderly Parents. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. And Janie Culbert is a trainer at Cape Mediation uh, who is trained in family mediation. Good morning to you. Thank you for having me. Bob, your background is financial planning, uh, but this job is not simply number crunching. So talk about your experience as a financial planner and how it compelled you to write this book about communication. Well, one of the things I learned over the years working with families, uh, eventually someone from the family would come to me and say, uh, gee, mom just had a stroke. What are we going to do? How do we handle this? And I found out more and more situations, no one had done any planning until there was a crisis. And I learned that people need to talk about these things well before a crisis. They need to talk about them when everyone's healthy. Because if they wait until someone is sick or disabled or in crisis, they often make the wrong decisions and there's resentment and a lot of difficulties as a result. So Mm -hmm. I wrote the book because I knew that families needed to start to talk together. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, really encourage families to have family meetings. Before we get into some of that, though, I I, want to talk a little bit about your own experience. So you have these clients come into you saying, what do we do? And initially, you would say, go see this elder attorney. And then you decided, I'm going to go along with my client and see what these elder attorneys are doing. And that was an eye-opening experience for you. It was an incredible experience for me because you've got situations where people are in crisis and they go to a person that they expect is going to take good care of them. And some of them do, and some of them don't. Some of the elder care attorneys do an excellent job, but there are others, unfortunately, who take advantage of the situation and charge pretty exorbitant amounts to help people resolve their problems. So like anything else, it's probably a good idea to interview a few of them before you decide yes. who's going to be yes. representing you. And, and a word for financial advisors, uh, it's important for you to find those elder care attorneys that you can work with so that you can refer your clients to them so you've done the homework in advance. Mm -hmm. Because you don't expect your clients to know what to expect from an elder care attorney and what they should be doing and what they should say. So your advisors, hopefully, will give you some guidance. Now, with aging parents, there are a number of issues to deal with, and we're going to get into some of those specifics in a bit. But first, you want to make a plan to bring up these topics and decide who should be at the table. So let's first talk about who should be part of this conversation. Well, in my experience, you want to get the entire family together. Now, that's sometimes very difficult to do. But initially, I think the, the topic needs to be brought up by who I call the alpha child. That's the child that both mom and dad respect, who's done well, and they listen to. Uh, the alpha child is the, is the child who should come to mom and dad and say, you know, it's time for us to sit down and talk about these important issues. And that same child is the one that can encourage his or her siblings to participate. But sometimes I think listeners out there may know right away who the alpha child is in their family. They say, oh, yeah, it's my right. brother. It's me. Mm-hmm. And you, you can identify pretty quickly who that child is. Absolutely. All right. So uh, depending on your family, there are different routes you can uh, take for these discussions. What What are some of the options? I mean, how do you determine what's the best for a situation? 
Well, I think it all depends upon on the issue. And, and if it involves family members, then everyone should be involved. But if it's specific medical issues, well, then maybe it's something that they don't want to bring up before the entire family. But someone needs to break the ice. Mm-hmm. Someone needs to get it started. Right. Okay. And going to mediation, Janie, a lot of uh, people associate mediation with conflict, but that's not necessarily the case. Mediation is really a good tool to open up dialogue and make sure that everyone's perspective is heard. So talk a little bit about how how a mediator can help with family discussions and why you would need one. Well, um, we should never underestimate the value of a mediator and their presence in a mediation. First of all, they set a tone. Usually that's a calming tone. And they make sure that everyone has an opportunity to be heard. They manage um, emotional situations. They keep the parties on track. Uh, very often families think, oh, well, if we get together, we can resolve this themselves. And sometimes that works. But Truly, a mediator's presence sets a different tone, and it really helps the parties know that there's a safety net there, that the mediator will manage the process, will make sure that they've been heard, and keep them on track and focused. One of the things that I'm thinking is any family discussion, when you get the whole family together, there's always a lot of emotion. And there's, you know, somebody who might be, you know, this sibling who's resentful of that sibling, or there's some old, you know, battle scars. And and these conversations can go down a path that you don't want to go. So the mediator can, can steer that conversation, right? Yes. Well, you know, emotions are, as Mr. Rogers from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood said, they're mentionable and manageable. So mediators are not afraid of emotion, and the more they do, do with mediations, they realize that conflict and emotions are there and they need to be talked about. When people have emotions, there's something causing that. So it would be up to the mediator to get to the root of why is that person angry, why is that person frustrated, and find out the why. Mm-hmm. And the why will lead you to a further discussion that will probably enrich the whole mediation. Right. And of course, we should say we're not thinking we, we're going to bring the mediators to Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, I mean, <laughs> this is <laughs> We're talking about taking the, the holiday get together to sort of just broach the subject, right, Bob? Right, we just want right. to say, hey, we should, yeah. we should think about this. Yeah, I think it's, it's a matter of starting, to, starting the conversation. And an email I just read recently, the topic should be Let's Talk Turkey. <laughs> and it, it's a great opportunity for, again, that alpha child to, to broach the conversation. Say, you know, Mom and Dad, I've been concerned about uh, where you're going to live. And do you, if you've made plans, are you going to stay here or what are you going to do? And, and questions like that mm-hmm. to get them started and saying, you know, it might be really valuable for us to sit down as a family and talk about these things. And perhaps we can help support you in making the right decision. If you would uh, like to join our conversation, give us a call at 866-999-4626. That's 866-999-4626. Perhaps you've done this with your family. You can tell us how it's gone. You can also email us at the point at wgbh.org. Um, One of the things, uh, Janie, that you've done is you've put together a three-day course, Adult Family Conversations. Tell us about that. Yes, we just, uh, this is something that Cape Mediation just launched, and we did a training in September. We now have, of our 60 volunteers, we now have, I believe it's 14 that are trained in what we call elder mediation, and for us, we're calling it Adult Family Conversations. And um, we're hoping that people will avail themselves of our services. 
And we find that, I think you mentioned, Mindy, that we think about mediation as conflict problems. The big difference for adult family conversations is it's about decision-making. It isn't about resolving a conflict. Mm -hmm. Decision-making, that's a good point. Yeah. Right. Um, One of the things that you talk about in this course is swooping, which, (laughs) tell us what swooping is. (laughs) Well, that's a great term. Uh, In in meeting with various groups around the Cape and talking to them about our new program in elder mediation at at Cape Mediation, I asked a number of them, well, what are are the most important concerns that the elderly have here in the Cape? And one of the biggest ones is the fact that their children are all over the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they may not be here. And when they do come, they don't really know how their parents are doing. They haven't seen their parents in a while. And they'll come swooping in and make all these grand decisions for mom and dad and say, well, mom, you should do this. Dad, you should do that. And then swoop out again. And they'll be there for three days and expect their parents to, to implement everything they've suggested for them. So they've got to spend more time with their parents, understand their situations better so that they can make reasonable decisions. What happens when the alpha child is somebody, is the, is the child that lives outside of the area? So you may be, you know, mom and dad are here and there might be some other children or grandchildren, but the alpha child, you know, lives in California. Right. And that, well, that's a, that's a commitment that they have to make. I, I did a family meeting this summer where the parents were in California and the alpha child lived in Connecticut. But he was committed to getting the family together. And so he talked to each one of them. One flew in from Colorado, two were in California, and he was in Connecticut. So he felt it was important enough to get everyone together. Mm-hmm. And he made it clear to them that we better do this now uh, or, or we're going to find out that our parents are going to have a real problem, and then, then what are we going to do? Right. And this is important to do in person? I suggest that they try to get together everyone in person. It makes a huge difference when everyone is face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can't do that, certainly with technology today, we have things like Skype and other technologies, FaceTime, where they can be there without being there. Mm-hmm. But it's probably best for them to be there. But one of the things we did with this group is had a dinner together, and it was just incredible. Mm. Uh, Jenny, t- take us through the process of a family meeting. Tell us how, how does it go? Well, normally, as Bob has said, usually we're contacted. They'll contact Cape Mediation and say that they'd like to organize a meeting. We then find out some of the pertinent information, who they feel should be at the table. Then we contact all of those people, and we conduct what we would consider a private session with them, hopefully in person. If that's not possible, then we would do all of them Mm -hmm. by phone so that it's a neutral aspect that we're doing here. Then we, as and we use a co-mediation model, we find that uh, two sets of ears and uh, two sets of eyes are very helpful. Um, Then we would formulate what we call a topics list. What are the concerns? What are the things that are happening? What do they want to talk about? Then we would arrange for a family meeting, bring everyone together, and we would facilitate that meeting with all of the parties, uh, breaking into uh, small sessions if we need to. But And the timing on that could really vary, but there's an agreed-upon session and time with everyone. Now, I'm thinking there's probably in some families a person who's going to push back. I don't want to take part of this. This is silly. I'm not going to do that. It could be one of the parents. It could be one of the the, the kids. How do you deal with that? Well, again, I think one of the most important pieces is that alpha child saying, hey, you need to be there. And, And 
If they still have a problem with it, then you may have to go on without them. Mm -hmm. Um, But you make every effort to get them there. And I also want to say that, you know, the mediator sometimes can find out and pursue why is it the person doesn't want to be here? What are they afraid of? Mm -hmm. What are their fears? What are their anxieties? And perhaps those could be alleviated by a discussion with the mediator. Ah, good point. So this, this, uh, maybe there's some sibling rivalry going on and it's like, I'm not going to be there if she's going to be there. And so then when the mediator talks to the two separately and finds out what the issue is, Perhaps we get them in the same room. Yes. Quite often when people balk at doing it, if you found out the why, what are the underlying concerns? What are the underlying interests? Just an example, again, of a recent meeting that I had. One of the the sons said about the alpha child, his older brother, well, he's going to do all the talking. He he really (laughs) knows all the answers. Um, I I just hope I can get something in edgewise. Well, as a result, this younger son was the leader of the group. He appeared out of nowhere to, to lead the entire group and say some incredible things at the meeting that no one expected. But he came into it fearing that he would never have anything to say. Oh, interesting. And yeah. it was very surprising, and, and he appeared. And he was the one that gave me some incredible quotes about uh, just just to quickly to to say some of the things that he said. I asked him, well, what do you expect to get out of this weekend? And he wrote that we walk away thinking that the meeting was productive respectful, creative, and unifying, and what decisions we make, that we walk away identifying what are the important decisions, who should make them, and when they need to be decided upon. And he he said, we want to minimize the I think mentality. It's we, not I. Mm, Good point. And here's another question when you have a couple of parents, and sometimes they may have different wishes. Um, So it isn't so important that you decide all of these things in that meeting, right? It's just, it's, it's hearing everybody out. Is that the idea? And then, you know, the decisions can come later? Well, actually, hopefully some of the decisions can be reached then. But that's another aspect that separates uh, these adult family conversation mediations from, let's say, a small claims or summary mm-hmm. process mediation that Cape Mediation does, because it's about decision making. These mediations may take more than one session. Mm-hmm. It may be that one decision is made in one meeting, or five decisions are made in one meeting. Mm-hmm. And we use what we call a consensus building model. Uh, it isn't just an up or down vote about something. Right. But uh, getting everybody to feel they've been heard and then pointing out what are the things they want to talk about. And I bet you both can think of of examples where families have come in and it's been a real learning process for everybody where it's like, I didn't know mom and dad thought that. And mom and dad, I didn't know the kids thought that. (laughs) In in my experience, sometimes it's a a life-changing event that for the first time, they're sitting around together, not around a dining room table or not around a ball field, but sitting around together talking about important issues yeah. and listening to each other. Right. Uh, now, of course, there are many topics of conversation within families, but a common one uh, is finance and their needs and desires as they age. And that's sort of your area. Right. Of but in, oftentimes it's one that you can't start with because uh, many members of the older generation and my parents, for example, who are members of the greater generation, never talked about money. Mm-hmm. It's just a taboo. It's the, the last thing that you want to talk about. So we suggest that you don't start there. Yeah, that's one of the ones down the list. Down yeah. the line. And I suggest you start out with 
talking about their legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you want to be remembered? You know, we want to make sure that your grandchildren remember you. And, and how do you want them to remember you? Mm-hmm. And let them just sit back and listen. That's a great uh, door opener, isn't it? Because, yeah, I mean, that's that's an easy one for a lot of people to answer. It's, it's not as difficult to say, how do you want to be remembered? Um, but another key point, uh, Bob, that you bring up is, is aging parents want to maintain control of right. their lives. And that's the big fear right. is when, you, like you're mentioning, the, the daughter who's, you know, swoops in and says, okay, mom, dad, you're going to do this, taking control of their lives for them. That's not what the parents want you no, to do. No, especially in, in, the, in the family meeting, you want to make sure that the parents understand that the final decision is theirs, that you're there to, to consult with them and to advise them, and you're not there to tell them what to do. Because mm-hmm. if they think that way, it's going to shut down real fast because parents want to maintain and anyone wants to maintain control of their own lives. Absolutely. Let's go back to the finance for a second, because I'm, I'm sure there would be some maybe parents out there thinking, well, why do kids need to know what, how much money I have, where my money is and, you know, what's in my will? I mean, why do I have to tell them that? Well, I think you get into the questions of long-term care. Let's start there. If if mom, dad, uh, if one of you gets sick, um, Who's going to take care of you, number one, and how are you going to pay for it, number two? And that can lead you into the financial situation. Do they have the financial wherewithal to, to, to be where they want to be? And, and it's going to cost money for people to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And they need to, to somehow start to reveal some of those issues or the children won't know what to do or how to help them. Right. And then, of course, there's when you get into wills and things, there's there's a, a lot of legal stuff people should be aware of. There's sometimes people think they're doing the right thing uh, and and not realizing they're creating some issues for their children right, and grandchildren. Right. Oh, I mean, certain things that have to be done. And first of one of these is what's called the durable power of attorney. It's the document that gives authority to someone other than your spouse to make financial decisions for you. You can have a durable power of attorney, both husband and wife on each other, but someone else needs to have that authority in case they're no longer capable of making those decisions themselves. That's critical. Mm-hmm. Healthcare proxy, who's going to make decisions for you for your health if you can't make them yourself? Mm-hmm. Who's going to do that? And one of the things I continue to encourage people to to look at is something called the five wishes, which is a five-question form that, that asks you all the serious questions about your health care. And it's uh, available at agingwithdignity.org. And I recommend that everyone complete it themselves to find out the answers to the questions. How do I want to be taken care of? Who do I want to know when I'm know that I'm sick? And what do I want to happen? Mm-hmm. But uh, that, there's this, you know, mom wanted this. No, she didn't. Here it says right here. This, this is yeah, what you want. Right. And you you did that questionnaire yourself and, yeah. oh, and said it was you were surprised. Eye opening. And yeah. I think every one of us should fill it out for ourselves and and answer these questions because it really makes you think about some things that you haven't really even thought about before, but you need to think about. Right. Well, it's funny because you meant we were talking about that before we went on the air, and I was saying, you know, I've thought about that. You know, if you were sick, what would you want? But I don't know that I've ever expressed it to anyone else. Right. So I've thought about it, but I haven't expressed it. Yeah. And it's really a wonderful gift that you give your children because they no longer have to struggle with what is it that mom would like us to do. Mm-hmm. You've laid it out 
this is what mom, this is what dad would like to have happen. So you take a huge burden off the children. Right. We're talking about family conversations with Janie Culbert, a trainer at Cape Mediation, and Bob Moderstock, retired financial planner and author of Can We Talk? A Financial Guide for Baby Boomers Assisting Their Elderly Parents. Our toll-free number, 866-999-4626. That's 866-999-4626. Our email address is the point at wgbh.org. All right, Janie, if you're doing... Um, uh, Let's say a, a family meeting without a, a mediator. Do you start with the easy stuff and then move on to the hard stuff? Uh, are you saying you, that the meeting is without the mediator? Yeah, yeah. I mean, is, your, is, is that what you would recommend people do if they think they could? The family's you know close enough and we could do this without a mediator. How do you? How would you start that? If if they can do it without a mediator, definitely start with the easier things. Mm-hmm. But once again, as I say, I think people underestimate. Oh, we can do this ourselves. Mediator plays a huge role. Mm-hmm. It really makes everybody. Um, feel that they're being treated equally and neutrally. And it, I, I suppose you could start these conversations. We said you don't want to. We don't want to get too heavy here at Thanksgiving dinner or through the holidays. That's true. But, but you want to sort of bring it up and then follow up on this. And if you think you you can get together as a family and you do that and it works great. But if you get into that and you're finding oh we're getting some issues here mm-hmm. that we hadn't thought of, you could you can go to yes, a mediator certainly. at that point, right? Certainly. Yeah. So you've started the conversation at least. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Starting it's a good thing. And, and what advice are you giving? Um, families well, who are thinking about this. It's I think personally I think it's really difficult to get the whole family together without a mediator and expect that they're going to get a lot accomplished. Mm-hmm. Cuz one of the things that was uh, one of the uh, the sons told me after our meeting was, you know, you know, the fact that you were there made us uh, kind of act reasonably together and not yell and scream at each other because we didn't want to be embarrassed in front of you. And a mediator doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, like I said, you've, you've been in those sessions. It could be, uh, your, you know, family priest or rabbis, the, the, you know, banker, your dad's been best friends with a family friend. It could be, it doesn't necessarily have to be a professional. It can be a family advisor, can be a good friend of the family. It can be a a priest or, or minister, s- someone who is not emotionally involved. Right. Because once you get emotionally involved, the, the whole game changes. Exactly. All right. Let's talk to Barbara, who's giving us a call from Harwich. Hi, Barbara. Hi. Um, great show. Um, I'm very familiar with all those issues. Uh, for 15 years, I helped take care of my dad and then my mom. And neither one wanted to uh, burden us, but they were well enough to have saved money. But interestingly, what you didn't mention is the reason to know their finances directly is because as they aged, both my parents had either Alzheimer's or uh, dementia, they could not remember anything. And when you go to fill out the Medicaid forms for nursing homes, they want five years' worth at least of all kinds of information about their banking statements, et cetera. And my mother, unfortunately, had it changed her marriage certificate for her age, mm. and we had to find the original, and she could not remember what town they got married in. Mm. So there was no one else to ask, so we had to do some searching. But, you know, putting it together is really hard if you don't know in advance where things are and um, the basic forms that government requires yeah. if you don't have enough money to pay for your own nursing home. Yeah, Barbara, you're bringing up a really good point. And, Bob, this speaks to your thing of do right. this now, do don't wait. Do it when you're healthy. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It, it's, yeah it's, my mother was able to narrow it down to three towns in New York, so I oh got boy. three very understanding <laughs> 
<laughs> town clerks, and finally we got the right one in the, a clean form without uh, my mother's adjustment yeah. on it. Wow. And you had to do a lot of work to get that all done. Yeah. And I want to tell you, we went through, my father needed to have an appeal done um, for his Medicaid um, because they would have taken all the money, and my mother would have had very little to live on, and... Uh, we went through an appeal, and the appeal process, we went through an uh, elder service lawyer, and which was very helpful because uh, they put everything in proper form. I got all the information, mm-hmm. and I want to tell you, it cut down on the expenses amazingly mm-hmm. on, on our part because I was able to produce all these papers and forms, yeah. and uh, they had very little time they had to spend on it. And it ended up with my mother was able to keep some of their funds as their surviving spouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father passed away, which helped my mother live a better life. And right. She went into a nursing home. Yeah, Barbara, thanks for the call and, and bringing that up. That's a, that's a really good point. Yeah, people don't understand uh, the, the government programs that are available for the elderly. There are there are several different programs. Medicaid certainly is available, but it's only available for people who essentially have run out of money. Mm-hmm. And as as Barbara mentioned. The state will look back over the last five years and look at every detail of your parents' finances, all their checkbooks, investments, and so forth, to see if they made gifts within that period of time. And if they made gifts within that period of time, it offsets when they can receive the benefit. Mm. And one other thing I want to make sure that people know is now a lot of of older folks, like all of us, have investment accounts online – and you need to keep a list of your addresses, usernames, passwords, and account numbers available so that family members know where it is. That's a good point. Have yeah. you ever tried to get into an investment account for another family member when you didn't have a username or password? It's you impossible. can't get yeah. anything. And even if, like, you know, some, like we were saying, there's some people thinking, well, I don't want to share all this. You don't have to. You can just keep your list, put it in the safety deposit box, just know where the kids know where it is. Right. Yeah. Have it. That's why in the back of my book, I have a, a section with a form that, that you list these things. And you don't necessarily have to give it to anyone yet, but you keep it in a three-ring binder, and you keep it in a place where eventually they know they can get to it. Exactly. And uh, Janie, Barbara brought up another interesting point, which was she said her parents didn't want to burden the children, and that is really common. They, do, they don't want to be a burden. Yeah, they're very true, and, and what they don't realize is by meeting with them, by giving them this information, telling them the five wishes, uh, they really give them a gift mm-hmm. of of comfort of mind when right. something happens. And they take the burden off their shoulders. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, these conversations also bring up a, a life lessons and uh, individual values, and really you get a better sense of what's a really important, uh, not just the parents, but the kids. And and Bob, I'd love if you share, um, you're, you learn things about your dad after, right. and you wished you had yeah, had this conversation. Fortunately, you don't, sometimes you don't get into the issues that you really want to. And my dad had Parkinson's, in the last six months of his life, we'd meet every week and talk for for hours, but he never really got into World War II. And six months after he passed away, my mom came up to me and said, did you look at your dad's scrapbook? And I said, what scrapbook? And she showed me this extensive scrapbook where he had collected pictures, information, all kinds of newspaper articles of his experience in World War II. And I never knew it existed because mm. I never had breached that that conversation and asked them the questions. Well, Dad, what was it like for you? Yeah, And this goes back to your point of how do you want to be remembered? Some of right. these stories are apt to come out when you ask that and question. I, and I love to ask uh, couples, to, well, how did you meet? Yeah. 
There's some interesting <laughs> stories there as well. Yes. That's always great. Yeah. Just to give you a quick story, when my mom was moving up here to the Cape, I was going through all her papers, and I found this brown envelope, and it said, from Dad during World War II. And I opened it up, and it was a poem handwritten by my father that he had written on on the ship crossing the Atlantic to go to D-Day. And in it, he described in much detail how he and my mom had met. And just quickly, uh, I discovered that my mom was 15 years old at the time, and she called him up and invited him out. Right, and she denies that. <laughs> and though, she yeah. denies it to this day. <laughs> Bob Motterstock, retired financial planner, author of Can We Talk? A Financial Guide for Baby Boomers Assisting Their Elderly Parents. Thanks for, for being here. Jenny Colbert, a trainer from Cape Mediation, and uh, that you can find more information, capemediation.org. Thank you. Thank you Thank very you, much Mindy. for it's having been great. us. I'm Mindy Appreciate Todd. Thanks for listening. The Point airs weekdays at 9.30 a.m. and 7.30 p.m. We're also on Facebook at The Point WCAI. The Point is produced by Amy Vince. The executive producer is Mindy Todd. Production assistance from Dan Tritel and Jenny Junker. Theme music by Benjamin Verdery and William Coulter. The Point is a production of the Cape and Islands NPR station, a service of WGBH.